Yesterday, I was speaking to a Romamu congregant, her name is Natalie, and she was telling me about how her mother recently died of ALS. I imagine most of you are familiar with this disease. It's a terrible disease where you lose all muscle fun function, including the ability to move your face and, and speak. Natalie, who I think might be with us tonight, is pregnant for the first time. And a few weeks ago, not knowing that her mother would take ill or take or become sicker than she was, uh, flew, flew from her home in New York to LA just to spend time with her mother and visit. During their visit, Natalie bought a book her, her mother had created when she was pregnant with Natalie. And they were looking through it and her mother was providing commentary. But because she couldn't speak, she communicated through a special device called a Toby, which enabled her to use her eyes to look at letters on a keyboard on an electronic screen, which then put the words together and said them for her. Really an unbelievable technology. Just two days later, Natalie's mother, Helen Starlight, may her memory be for a blessing, was having difficulty breathing. She entered the hospital and died a few days later. It's amazing that Natalie just happened to go visit her, her mother so soon before she went into respiratory distress and died while pregnant herself and learned about her own mother being pregnant with her through some miraculous technology. Despite a horrible disease, Natalie's mother was able to provide commentary on the story of Natalie's beginnings. Listening to the story, tears came to my eyes, and the only thing I managed to say was, wow. Natalie responded by saying, yeah, God was all over that story. It made me wonder, especially at this moment, about faith. What might lead us, like Natalie, to feel that at times there is a higher power at work in our lives, that ultimate meaning is revealing itself? What would allow us to move forward in life with faith that some greater hand is at work, some greater purpose, faith that might, might help us face this difficult world? Now, I want to do something a little complicated here, maybe a little challenging. I want to posit a faith that doesn't necessarily mean faith in God. I want to explore the notion of a faith that would be available to anybody, whether you believed in God or not, or believed in some idea of God or not. You know, often when I meet people and they find out I'm a rabbi, they say, ha, huh, I don't believe in God. And I want to say to them, well, I don't really care, no. <laughs> but I don't say that. Instead, I say, the same God you don't believe in, I don't believe in. In other words, there are all kinds of ideas of God out there. And I don't personally believe in God as a noun. For me, God is more of a process and part of the fabric of existence and the forces that sort of make the universe you know, turn and part of birth and rebirth and death, or 
sorry, birth, death, and rebirth. I want to end with rebirth. I once had a congregant who said to me, I believe, and I said to her, what do you believe in? And she said, I believe, period. That's the kind of faith I'm interested in. That's, you know, I walk around, I want to walk around feeling like I have some kind of faith, even if it's not in something specific. So from faith, I want to go to our Parsha, which is all about faithlessness. So this week, we start a new book of the, of the Torah. We start the fifth book of the Torah, the book of Deuteronomy or the book of Dvarim. And in it, Moshe, Moses talks about the people's faithlessness. He says, he says, despite everything God has done for you, you do not have faith in Adonai your God. So the word in Hebrew for faith, the, the verb to, to believe or to have faith is lehaamin, and the noun is emunah, faith. It is no accident that this week's portion speaks of faithlessness and disappointment. The Jewish people are in a period of mourning. We're in the nine days, and we're coming up to Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, tomorrow night, which is a day of mourning and fasting and sitting on the floor and listening to the book of Echa, Lamentations. It's a book, sorry, it's a, it's a, a day in which we mourn the destruction of the temples, the two temples, and basically every other major calamity in Jewish history, except for the Holocaust, which has its own day. The book of Lamentations in Hebrew is called Echa. What's amazing is that we read this Parsha, Dvarim, the first portion of Deuteronomy, every single year before the ninth of Av. And in it, in this Parsha, is the word Echa. It's very strange. So the word, the, the book of Echa starts with, sorry. starts with the word Echa, how? How has a city that was once so full of people become lonely? Echa yashva vadad, ha'ir rabati, am haita ka'amana, rabati bagoyim, sarati b'medinot haita lamas. How like a widow has she become? She who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces has become a forced laborer. So the book of Echa, you could say, is the book of how. How did this happen? How could this have possibly happened to us? How could the city of Jerusalem be so demeaned and diminished? And in our Parsha, Moshe also asks Echa. He says, Echa, how can I possibly do this alone? How can I bear this burden? Right? And he describes the people as a burden, as a bother, as a bickering mass, right? The three Bs. How can I do this by myself? So those two words, how and alone, how and alone, and it amounts to a long howl, the howl that becomes a howl. I remember walking around New York City in the first days of the pandemic. I don't know how many of you were in New York City at that time during the pandemic. 
right, in, in March 2020. And I, I was walking around the Upper West Side, barely anyone was on the street and all the stores were closed. I went home and I didn't really have that much to do, so I decided to watch The Twilight Zone. And I was like, <laughs> I know, it's a funny thing to do, right? And it was about a man who woke up in a world where no one was left. I'm like, why am I watching this? I am living in the Twilight Zone, right? So this great, glorious, majestic city brought to its knees helps me understand what people might have felt in the wake of the destruction of the temples. The ancient rabbis tie the word echa to word, the word how, right? You're hearing the resonance in Devarim, right? In the book of Deuteronomy, in the beginning of it, in the book of Lamentations, and even in the book, in the, in the prophetic reading that we would read tomorrow at Romamu if we read the Torah, which we don't, is also the word echa, right? It's also the word how. But the ancient rabbis tie it to a kind of or how, the word ayeka, in Breshit, in Genesis, in the story of the Garden of Eden. So what happens is, as you know, Adam and Eve eat the fruit from the forbidden tree, and they suddenly realize, right, the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil. And instead of understanding good and evil, what they understand is that they're naked, and they cover themselves with fig, fig leaves, and they hide from God. And God comes, you know, walking at the breezy time of the day in the garden, and says, Ayeka, where are you? Now, the great rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik, 20th century modern Orthodox rabbi, understood the word Ayeka, God's question, like how could God possibly say, where are you? God knows where they are, they're hiding, but it's like a two-year-old that thinks that, the, that their mother doesn't know where they are, right? But God knows where they are, so why is God saying, where are you? And what, what Rabbi Soloveitchik said is the kind of it's the kind of where are you that calls you to account. Where are you? What's your role in the story? Right? What did you do here? But I want to suggest a different understanding of Ayeka. The Garden of Eden was a place of great intimacy and great connection and great unity, and suddenly. Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they understood there was a difference between them and the other, and them and God, and suddenly they're hiding, right? There's a difference, and they feel like they can hide behind some barrier. And my understanding of God asking, where are you, is like, where are you? We were so close. I lost you. Now you're full of duplicity. Now I, when I ask you, why did you eat from the fruit of that tree that I told you not to? You know, Adam says, oh, it was Eve's fault. And Eve says, oh, it was a snake's fault, right? Duplicity, deflection, blame, right? That natural intimacy that can be between people and certainly is between like small children and their parents before they reach a certain age is gone. It's almost like you've discovered that your lover has betrayed you and cheated on you. And it's like, where are you? What happened? So three anguish cries, right? Moshe saying in our Parsha, how can I possibly bear this burden? I can't do this by myself, I'm alone. Echa, right? The book of Lamentations that we'll read tomorrow night and on Sunday morning, 
saying, wow, look at how this city sits destroyed and alone. And now God's anguish cry, Echa or Ayaka, where are you? But what does all this despair have to do with faith, right? I started off with Natalie's faith, and now I'm in the thick of despair. But I thought at this moment, right, where we're facing Tisha B'Av, where tomorrow is Hiroshima Day, and a few days after Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, is Nagasaki Day, where we're facing, you know, the threat of, of you know, planetary destruction and perhaps the destruction of our democracy, that I would start with anguish and despair and then consider faith as an antidote. I'm very interested in language. And what happens often in language is that words originate in a more concrete meaning and then evolve to a more abstraction. So I wanna go back to that word emunah, to believe. Right, the root is Aleph Mem Nun. So in the Torah, it appears to mean faith or steadfastness, but there are also occurrences which means to parent, to mother, and to suckle, right? Startling. So if we think about faith in that way, perhaps we can start to think about giving over to the forces that care for us giving over to the God, if you believe in God, or if you have some sense of connection to God, who is an El Hanun Verachum, a God of grace and of compassion. And the word Rachum comes from the word Rechem, womb. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think faith is gonna solve any of our problems, but I think it could help sustain us and sort of help us maintain a sense of connection to the world and being held and perhaps connect to the forces of kindness and mother love when we're faced with so much that is difficult. I don't know about you, but I feel all too often, even without you know, a pandemic and threats to democracy and an environmental collapse, even without all that, sometimes I feel like the world is just against me, right? Like, it's just really hard to navigate the world. It's not even, sometimes other people, sometimes it's just everything feels so difficult and I'm striving and I'm straining and I'm efforting and nothing flows. Maybe it's those days that I'm connected to the judgment aspect of Adonai, of, of God, which is Elohim. And maybe yud he vav the unpronounceable name of God, which is said to be the aspect of compassion, maybe we need some more of that to feel held and connected and to, so to speak, go back to the garden. I'd go back to the garden before division and duplicity. So I say that these days, despite everything, I believe, I have faith. I don't know what I have faith in. I think I have faith in the nature of life and the great circles of birth and death and rebirth. And you know, the God who's described as in the Sidur as Mikhaye Hametim, as enlivening the dead. 
whatever that means, right? Everything that happens sort of has some kind of meaning and existence for eternity. So to return to Natalie and her mother, Helen Starlight, and the coming together in Natalie's story of birth and death and womb and care and story and memory and meaning and everlasting love in the face of their grief and sudden loss, I wanna bless Natalie and her entire family with the comfort of knowing that the powerful connections they had with the starlight of Helen will be eternal. With the knowledge that nothing can destroy that connection and that it will remain a blessing for the next generation so soon to come at a, at a propitious moment, a baby will join your world, this world made of much darkness, but which is still graced with hope and so much beauty and endless, yes, endless love. <laughs>